0: My name is Emily Manders. If you don't know me, I am actually um, the pastor's wife here, and I'm also on staff. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but seeing that, um, number one, there's a few things I noticed. The great gear that was represented, okay? A lot of new t-shirts there, I'm just saying. (laughs) You guys are wearing your gear this week. But number two, the ages that helped this week, right? from kids through on up, right? That was amazing. Um, We have a pile of thank you notes sitting in the office that have already been mailed to us. Um, We got a really nice one from the Middletown Police Department, but there's more that we just haven't quite read through yet. Um, The impact that you all have had on the community this week is, it's, I, I don't know what to say, but God, you've been good to us, and thank you. Thank you all for participating and sharing God's goodness to us with others. Um, Ross and I and the staff and leadership, we are so thankful for all of you and the hundreds of volunteer hours. We tried to tally them up, you guys, and it's like impossible because so many of you represent so many hours. Um, The dollars that you generously gave away, um, leading a community like this is a huge blessing. Um, We got to see God's work in your life as you responded and said yes to being rich, and that is that is just an incredible thing to see. That's what makes me cry, is just seeing all of you giving of yourselves and your time and your resources. And then we made people cry. We made people cry when we paid for their gas and when we bought groceries and they're confused and they're like, what's going on? They're responding to the generosity of God through you. Um, So it's just an amazing week to kick off and into this Christmas season. It's just been incredible. However, I have one favor. If any of you are... Drywall people, and you know how to drywall or spackle. We are not quite finished at the Lustica's house. Um, that was the porch that you saw. We have, not me, we, you, have taken the windows out and put up walls. I mean, it is an amazing reno that's happening there, but it is not done. And I don't know if you notice Malcolm. Malcolm often plays the guitar here, and he put up this wall with the help of Jen and Josh. Um, he is still there today, and he could use some help because he feels like he's dying. He's sore. He's tired. (laughs) He's an amazing guy, and he's a very, very skilled and talented carpenter. But if there's anybody this afternoon that would have some hours to go over there, you can see us at the Next Step kiosk. We can get you the address. We'd love to wrap up this project and give Malcolm a little relief. He's running on ibuprofen right now. So i got to get to my message. But you can head on back there. We would love um, to recruit some helpers today to finish that up. So, today we are starting a new four-part message series called Fear Not, Um, a little background story for you about this series and me being the one to speak today. First of all, I need to admit something to you. Over the last two years or so, Ross and I often brainstorm series and messages, um, and he has asked me to consider speaking before, and I'm very good at finding 101 reasons why that should not happen. (laughs) Like, honey... I don't (laughs) know, no. Um, And let's be honest, too, when Ross is on vacation, usually I'm with him. I'm not today. So um, this past July, I was driving up Tyburn Road, and the breakup song by Francesca Battistelli was playing on K-Love. You know that song? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as I was listening, I was struck by the fact that fear is such a big deal in our world, um, and I loved the words that she came up with to combat fear. And I think also I was reflecting on the song No Longer, I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear. Um, Fear is a Liar. There are a lot of really good songs out and that have come out this past year to help set our minds on the fact that we don't have to be ruled by fear, right? Um, But as I was thinking that, I was like, oh, Fear Not. That would be a great Christmas series. And so I called Ross on that hot July day, to tell him that I had received the Christmas series from the Lord. (laughs) But she's like, Huh, okay. No, he said, sounds good, we'll talk about it later, right? It's July. Um, But fast forward to September-ish, and Ross comes home and is like, so I got invited to do this wedding in Minnesota. I'm like, okay. Um, It was for a friend of his. Um, it's not a common friend, if you can tell that. It's fine. It's, it's a friend, somebody he knew back from his Bethel um, pastoring days. So I said, well, what's the date? And he says, it's December 2nd. And I was like, that's the first Sunday of Advent. You can't leave when the Christmas series is starting. And he just looks at me. I'm like, Ross, who are we going to get to speak? And he's like, duh. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! So fast forward through many debates in my head and in some of yours about why I should not speak today. Um, some of you were part of those conversations, and many of you, including the board of elders, responded with "Yes, Emily, you should do this." So I'm here, still with a little fear and trembling, but I'm ready to share with you. Um, I want to let you know too, as Ross was coming up with the graphic for this, he's really good at finding graphics and not making them. Um, so. It led us to this graphic, which actually comes from a Fear Not series done by Craig Groeschel at Life Church, and they generously share everything they do with other churches. So we are basing some of our content for this series from that. Um, And that was just another way that God confirmed and made it very clear that this was one of those ways that I was supposed to get over my fear of speaking at Restoration, (laughs) and that this series was the one that he desired for me to enter into with you. So, I don't know about you, but it always blows me away when God knows what I need before I know I need it, and it's no mistake that since July, I've had fear not, fear not, fear not in my head, because every time I have a doubt, every time I have a, but what about this? He's like, fear not, remember, fear not. So, um, you can trust that I'm familiar with fear, as I know that many of you are also familiar with fear, Um, but today I have a specific type of fear I want to talk to you about. It's the fear of what God has planned for us. Because I believe there are a lot of us that sometimes treat God like they'll treat the annoying person that always wants something from them. I don't know if you have anybody like this in your life, but sometimes there are those people that whenever they call you, you let it go straight through to voicemail. (laughs) Right? Um, And you hope they text you so you don't have to talk to them. Or maybe you see one of these annoying people in the grocery store or wherever you're out and about, and you like, go the other way, (laughs) trying not to make eye contact, because you don't want to have to engage with them. Or maybe you're like me, making a million well-intentioned excuses to get out of doing something um, that you sense God prompting you to do. Sometimes I think, even unknowingly, many of us treat God that way. So in other words, we want to be close enough to God to get the good stuff, Right? I want the promise of heaven, I want his blessings, but I don't want to be so surrendered to God that he has total access to every area of my life. Because if I completely surrendered everything to him, he might make me go to Africa. Isn't that like one of those cliche things, right? Or he may, may, might make me give up something I enjoy. I don't know if you've ever thought that, I'm talking to the real people, which you guys are really good at being real. So, and I really appreciate that this is a community where we can be authentic and real and wrestle with life's doubts and questions and fears. Because it's something we value, right? Um, And sometimes I think if we're being honest, probably often there's this sense of fear of what if I give it all to him and then life doesn't go the way I want it to go? And fear can overwhelm and overtake us. Okay, so many people will say that fear is the absence of faith. Have you ever heard that before? Fear is the absence of faith. But I would argue that fear is actually faith, but it's faith in the wrong things. Okay? You could say fear is placing your faith in the what-ifs. What if the economy falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if someone I love gets cancer? What if my house burns down? What if we have more month left than money? And the fears just go on and on. You can add your own what-ifs there, right? Fear is placing our faith in the worst-case scenarios. And I can very easily be overtaken by fear in, in an irrational way, okay? So stay with me here. But on that, I am almost positive on the same day, the hot July day that I was driving on Tyburn Road, um, I had gotten in the car to take Sophie to dance camp in Yardley, and as I turned on the van, the E came on. So I'm like, okay, Ross and I share cars, which means I don't know if this has been driven on for 40 miles or if it just came on, right? Because he has a much higher tolerance for the E, the empty on the gaslight, okay? (laughs) And so I called him, And I have this fear, you know, the fear song playing in the background, and I'm thinking, fear not for Christmas, fear not your car, car, you're going to run out of gas. So I call him, I'm like, Ross, how long has it been on empty? He's like, oh, you're fine, right? Ross is very optimistic, okay? Um, And I have heard this before, and I have run out of gas at Mill Creek and Levittown Parkway. You guys, at that intersection. Not a good intersection to run out of gas on. Okay, so the rest of my drive to and from dance camp, I'm picturing the worst case scenario, okay, I have Evie with me, she's a little baby, and it's hot, so we're going to run out of gas, she's going to get heat stroke, right, because we're going to have to walk to get gas, guys, I have a cell phone, okay, I know that I could call somebody for help, right, but I'm picturing this, and then, here's, here's where it gets irrational, I left my kid, the other kids at home, the boys, so obviously, they're going to have a catastrophic event, the EMTs are going to come. The police are going to come. I'm going to get thrown in jail because I shouldn't have left my kids at home. And then my whole family is ruined, right, because mom was driving on E. You know, totally irrational, but I go to that worst-case scenario, so I'm driving the rest of the way with that that knot in your stomach and the white knuckles. I did make it home. I did not run out of gas, so the man was not lying. But I'm just saying it's so easy to go from I might run out of gas to... My whole life is over, right? The good news is, though, according to 2 Timothy 1.7, okay, God has not given us, can we read this out loud together, all of it, ready? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's a good one, okay? Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of what God might be asking us to do. And we're going to look at when an angel appears to a teenage girl named Mary. So here's a question for us to ponder as we continue. Why is it that so often we are afraid of God's plans? There could be a lot of answers to this question, but I want to give you two based on the story of Mary that we find in Luke. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. When God interrupts us, his interruptions are often very inconvenient. In fact, you're going to see this in the story of Mary. So if you have your Bibles and you want to go to Luke 1, that's where we're going to be. Luke is the third gospel in the New Testament. It's pretty easy to find. You can pull it up on an app if you want, or it will be on the screen as well. We're going to start with verses 26 through 29, and then we'll move on from there. Here's how the story begins. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay, let's talk about this. An angel appears. That's what so many of us think an angel looks like, right? A fat, bald, naked baby playing a harp on a cloud, <laughs> okay? If you Google image, if you use Google images, you'll see lots of the other image that people like is like of a vampire, which is kind of weird too, Okay. <laughs> What an angel, what the Bible really describes, you can look it up in Daniel. Um, That's like one of the best descriptions, and I don't know exact reference, but I can get it for you if you want it. Um, But they are more like fierce, warlike creatures. The thing about angels is that they're able to strike down a nation at God's command, but they're also submissive enough to protect an innocent child. We only know of two named angels in the Bible. Do you know what they are? Gabriel and Michael. I heard him. Yep, that's good. And in this story, we are with Gabriel. He's the one that's going to appear to Mary. So verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Okay, do you think she's excited and like, oh man, I get to see an angel today, or is she like freaking out? (laughs) Yeah, let's go on to verse 29. We'll see this. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and probably the sight of him, right? And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Can you imagine? What in the world is this? So let's get into the backstory and start thinking about what's going on in Mary's mind, okay? Um, We don't know for sure how old she is. She's most likely between 14 and 16 years of age in her culture and her time. um, Once a girl hit puberty, she would have been betrothed to be married, so, um, she's young. She's probably all amped up about her wedding. Um, if it's modern day, what do you think a young bride is going to be doing? Pinterest. I have one word. <laughs> and I'm really thankful Pinterest didn't exist when we got married, because my husband is the king of Pinterest, and I just can't even imagine. I don't really spend much time on there, but he does. Hence, the lights that are now hanging from the in This st- Okay. You get it. Okay? But... She might be on Pinterest searching for all of the creative ideas to make her wedding that special unforgettable moment. Um, She might be practicing signing her new last name. Um, She might be naming her future children, right? And suddenly this angel interrupts all of her plans, and it is incredibly inconvenient to the way she had her future mapped out. But what can we learn from this, okay? A very important principle is that what we call interruptions God often sees as invitations. Okay? Those times we feel like God is interrupting us, He's often actually inviting us to something so much better. And I had to preach this to myself on Friday. If you're my friend on Instagram or Facebook, you might have seen this. But when the water school day uh-huh. off was called, I was like pissed. I was not happy. Because my husband has, I was up at 5.30 bringing my husband and Evie to the airport. So i had been up early. Um, I actually knew about the night before, but it it was going to be a long day, but I was going to have the day to myself because my three big kids were going to go to school, (laughs) right? (laughs) So my day was interrupted. Um, Some very lovely friends in the front row took my kids for a few hours to Stoneburg so that I could have a few, get a few of the things done that I was planning on. But I had to change my heart and say, okay, okay, yeah, I'm preaching this on Sunday. So how can this day be an invitation instead of an interruption? And you guys, you may need to work on this for tomorrow because I have heard rumor that they're not going to have school tomorrow either. So just get ready. You can work on this right now. How can tomorrow be an invitation instead of an interruption? (laughs) Okay? But think about it throughout scripture. What did God do with Moses? He interrupted a regular day with a burning bush and invited Moses to become the deliverer of God's people. With Jonah, God interrupted his workout swimming back to shore with a great big fish. Okay? And he invited Jonah to go back and do what he was supposed to do, which was preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. In the New Testament, there's this guy named Saul, and he was off killing Christians when God interrupted his flow with a light from heaven and invited Saul to become much of the author of the New Testament. Do you know who Saul is? Paul. Exactly. And he is also an apostle um, to many, anyone who would listen to him, about the grace of Jesus Christ. So God interrupted plans with an invitation to something much better. And I believe today there are many of us who often shake off God's invitations, calling them interruptions. When God really wants us to do something new and something different in our lives. I don't know how this will play out for you, but if you'll be sensitive, sensitive enough to see what we call interruptions as possible invitations, God might just take you somewhere new. He might bring you somewhere different. He might ask you to do something that you couldn't have predicted on your own. It could play out in any number of ways, and there are those of you, you've definitely got your own interruption invitation stories. Some of you weren't church people. You weren't religious at all. And someone interrupted your plans and invited you here to church. Somebody kept begging you to come, like, like Andrea was saying. No, thanks, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't really have time. Not super interested. But they kept asking. And one day you said, okay, you surrendered. I'll do it hopefully that's because restoration people never stop asking, so keep inviting, okay? Keep inviting. Hopefully we don't take no for an answer, right? So you came to church and you think, just endure it, get in and get out, right? Anybody have that? Okay. And then something happened. You were touched by a song or someone shared something you could relate to or, which I've heard this a lot, in the message it was like God was speaking directly to you. And your heart started to soften and you suddenly found yourself being drawn to God. And one day you cried out and asked for forgiveness, and you sensed the supernatural presence of God, and something in you was dramatically changed and different. And what you thought was an interruption was an invitation to something way, way, way better. And now it continues to happen. Let's say you have a friend in the hospital, and you keep feeling this nudge to go visit that friend, and you're like, I don't have time, I don't have time. But eventually you give in because it's relentless and it won't go away. And you end up sitting there speaking these words that you don't know where they come from. You're like, how did I know all that? And you're actually ministering to someone. And you walk out like, whoa, I can't <laughs> believe God just used me that way. I don't know where that came from. It had to be God, right? Then the next week you we come to church. And they're asking you, we are asking you to sign up to help us something. And you're like, oh, man, I could do that, but I don't have time for that. Um, and suddenly, it's like you don't even realize it, but you're going out and you're signing up. And you're like, why am I doing this? I don't have time for this, right? And the next thing you know, you're serving in our pre-K room with the four- and five-year-olds, and you don't even like four- and five-year-olds, <laughs> to be frank. <laughs> and two months later, you're like, the greatest hour of my week is when I get to impart spiritual life to four- and five-year-olds. And I long for this. I look forward to this. What happened? What happened? God interrupted you somewhere along the way and invited you to something better. So, back to the story. The angel of the Lord appears to this girl who has her life planned out and says, I've got something different for you. Okay? What does the angel say in verse 30? So, in the King James Version, it says, fear not. In the NIV, verse 30 says this. But the angel said to her, say it with me, do not be afraid. Okay, you have found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but if God's got some favor to give out, I would like a little bit of that action, right? Mm-hmm. We are going to find, though, that favor isn't exactly what she thought it was going to be. Okay, So why are we so often afraid of God's plans? Number one, because his interruptions are often inconvenient. And number two, because God's purpose is often different than your plans, His purpose for us is so different than what we have planned out for ourselves. And we see this in verse 31 through 33. The angel reveals God's purpose to this young girl and says in verse 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And here's this powerful announcement, verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine this teenage girl as her emotions swing back and forth, right? (laughs) You guys know some teenage girls, okay? As God interrupts her with an invitation that disturbs her plan and reveals God's purpose, think about it. There must have been a moment where she's blown away and like completely humbled, like, oh my goodness, I've been chosen for this, the mother of the Son of God, okay? And then, boom, her emotions swing to, oh, my goodness, what are people going to say about me? Because to be pregnant out of wedlock in this time, in the ancient times, it was a sin, and it was punishable by death from stoning, okay? So honor, oh, my goodness, favor, I've been chosen, and oh, my goodness, I have to tell Joseph, okay? Can you imagine how that conversation would go? Hey, Joseph, are you sitting down? (laughs) I'm pregnant with the Holy Ghost, Okay, you can imagine how crazy that would be to have that conversation. But God's purposes are way, way different than her plans. Isaiah 55 says this, Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so God's purposes are higher than our purposes. So his plans are higher than our plans. So his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't know how this will play out in your life. But when God interrupts you with an invitation to something else, you're going to discover that his purposes are way different than your plans. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're going to see it again and again. It may be that you've dreamed for that perfectly healthy family, and then you find out you're getting a child who's going to be born with special needs. And you wonder why, and how come not them, and what did we do? And you have no idea the blessing this child is going to be and it's going to bring you closer to God and well up more love in your heart than you ever even dreamed you could have because his purposes may be different than your plans. You may lose a job one day and be like, well, this is the worst thing ever. How am I going to be able to pay the bills? And suddenly you have no other options, but you start the business you've always kind of had in the back of your mind, and years later you look back and you say, wow. What I thought was a curse was actually a blessing. God's purpose was so much different than my plans. So the young girl responds back in verse 34. She says, how will this be? Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin. In other words, it's totally impossible, okay? It's beyond impossible, it's absurd, it's physically impossible for this to happen. Here's my analogy for you. I don't know much about ballet. I can support Sophia, learning how to dance, I think it's beautiful. I love watching her learn about it. I'm about as coordinated as no uh, no one. Like, you don't want to see me dance, okay? But it would be like the angel coming to me and saying, hey, um, you're going to be the sugar plum fairy in the Nutcracker with the Philadelphia Ballet this year, right? <laughs> it's not going to happen, thank goodness, okay? But that's kind of what Mary was doing right here. She's like, I'm a virgin. Virgins don't give birth to babies. It's totally and completely impossible. There will be a time... I promise for all of you who are followers of Christ that God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to something different and his purpose is going to be different than your plans and he's going to ask you to have faith and believe him and you're going to look at it and you're going to say I don't see how it's possible I don't see God how you're asking me to forgive someone after what they've done to me it's impossible that I would forgive God, I don't know how you're asking me to trust you to be generous when I don't have very much right now. To trust that you're going to give back to me, I don't know how that's possible, right? Or God, I really don't believe you could ever heal my marriage. After what happened, there is no way we could have a good marriage again. Or God, how in the world could you ever reconcile this relationship with one of my children after what they said and after what I did? It's broken and it's gone forever, Or, God, there is no way you could heal this person I love. I mean, the doctor said you might as well prepare for the end. It's totally and completely impossible. And that's what we see with Mary when she says, it's impossible. There's no way. How will this be? So verse 35 says this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, this isn't a job for people. This is a God-sized job, okay? And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Would you say this next part with me, verse 37? For nothing is impossible with God. Let's say it one more time. It's so good. For nothing is impossible with God. I don't know who came to church for just that moment right there, but there's someone here who's facing an obstacle, and you need to know that nothing is impossible with God and what may be possible with man, or impossible with man, that it is absolutely and completely possible with God, because the God that we serve is all-knowing, he's ever-present, he's all-powerful. With one spoken word, God can intervene in any situation. Our God is that good, and all things are possible with God. So Mary says, I see no way. This couldn't ever happen. And the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe for all of you who are followers of Christ, there's going to come a time when something interrupts you and you think, (coughs) ah, I don't like that, right? I don't like days off that are unplanned with my kids, right? It's my own deal, but what if instead you have your divine antenna up to ask, is this an invitation from God for purposes that are different than my plans? God may be asking you to believe something that seems unbelievable or to attempt something that seems like you could never accomplish, and the truth is on your own, you couldn't because like Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I want to ask you now very simply, here's your question. What is God asking me or you to do or believe? If you're a follower of Christ, I believe with all of my heart that our God is a speaking God, and he's involved in your life, and he wants to direct you, and he wants to guide you. He wants to shape you and lead you. So what is he asking you to do? For some of you, the answer is immediate. You already know, and you've been resisting, okay? So you're like, oh, yep, I know what it is. Others of you, it may take a few moments or even a few days or weeks of praying, God, what's next? What are you directing me to do in this next season? For some of you, it's going to come to you. I'm supposed to start a ministry that God put on my heart, and it's what I need to do. For some of you, it's to try to restore a relationship that has gone bad. He's going to direct you that way. For some of you, he's going to ask you to go back to college or take a step of faith and change majors to something different. For some of you, it may be to reach out to someone who's far from God, and you think, huh, I've already tried. There's just no way. It's impossible, right? Right? But what is God asking you to do or believe? And then when you get ready to respond, never forget this. If God is asking you to take the step of faith, write this down. Okay, This has is, this is also been on my mind a lot. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. I could stand here all day and tell you story after story of how I'm seeing this truth lived out in the lives of friends here at Restoration. Um, one of my friends is Sarah. And I asked her if I could share part of her story today. She said yes. So Sarah has attended restoration for three years. She is a full-time working single mom of Josiah, Annika, and Autumn. She lives with her parents, Fran and Pat, in North Park. If you asked Sarah a year ago if she was interested in dating, she would tell you, with only a little bit of sarcasm, if his name is Jesus and he sits down next to me in church, maybe. Okay? Seriously, that was her line. She could have had the T-shirt. Okay? Because of the few times she did enter the dating scene over the last year, things didn't pan out for a variety of reasons. She was pretty convinced she did not have time for the dating scene, nor did she want to drag her kids through it, because it's really not a fun, easy scene, guys. Sarah has worked diligently to get herself to a healthy, spiritual, and emotional place um, after her divorce five years ago. She would be the first to say she hasn't done it perfectly, but she is trying to obey what God is teaching her in her own life. She has put in the effort to care for her kids. She has placed their well-being ahead of her own desires, almost to a fault. Well, this past June, Sarah came across a very well-written blog by a single dad named Seth. I should say this too, he's a Christian single dad, so also important to note. She commented on the blog, thanking him for his words and wanting to encourage him that there were other single parents out there that understood um, his story and could relate to it. Keep in mind, Sarah basically wears the t-shirt that says, not interested in dating, okay? That is not her plan. Well, Seth, being the wise guy that he is, because I think Sarah is the total catch, okay? He begins to get to know Sarah. Interruption, hello, Sarah's like, I don't have time for this, right? I have a life, I have work, I have kids, I don't have time for this, okay? Well, as trusted family kind of began to notice this happening, they were like, hey Sarah, I think She's like, no, it's not going to happen, right? Impossible. Um, Sarah began to share with me about this guy from Georgia, so I called him Georgia for a while, um, This over the summer at the Pinewood Pool. And at first I was skeptical and overprotective of my friend, okay? Um, but the more that I heard about Seth and learned about him from stalker reading his blog, which you can <laughs> all do... Okay. If you're a single parent, head to Seth's blog. You can learn all about him. Um, but the more I learned about him and his character um, and his integrity, the more I saw this interruption as an invitation from God to Sarah. So as Sarah has been faithful to seek God in all things, being obedient to him first, as best as she can as a human, right? The outcomes have been more than you could ask for or imagine for Sarah and her kids and Seth and his four that's seven kids total. Okay, just saying. Talk about plans different than what you are, right? Okay. But if you don't believe me, I want you to take a look at this video that was created this fall by The Ellen Show. You guys have heard of The Ellen Show? It's kind of famous, okay? Um, so you cannot make this up, so take a look at this video. Okay. So, look at the name of that video. It's called Fearless, guys. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. What's happening? Here's the deal. Sarah can't predict the outcome, okay? And there are still many things Sarah doesn't know about the future. Hello, he lives in Georgia. They have seven kids between the two of them. She's fearful what her future vehicle will have to look like, okay? (laughs) Sarah will be the first one to say she never could have imagined God writing a love story like this one, and she actually hates Hallmark movies, believe it or not. (laughs) But that plays like a Hallmark movie, Okay? All Sarah could do is be obedient with the next step. And I will tell you, when Ellen first said, come on out and do this, she was like, N-O, no way. But how else could the seven kids have met? Ellen paid for all of that, you guys, for this, these two single parents to bring those kids, like God's like, lavishing great gifts on this, these families right now. But obedience is ours. Sarah could have said no, interruption, no thanks, But she allowed that invitation to stir in her heart to respond, yes, outcome is God's, okay? I don't know how this will play out for you, but there's going to come a time when God is going to call you to trust him. And your job is simply to surrender yourself to him, just like a teenage virgin girl did 2,000 years ago, when God, in his goodness and in his sovereign plan, he interrupted her with an invitation to a higher calling, because his purpose was different than her plans. And in her mind, she couldn't conceive how this is possible, but she had to remember that all things are possible with God. So the angel puts this opportunity in front of her, and just as I believe God is going to put opportunities for something greater in front of you and me, okay? how did Mary respond? In verse 38, we see, and I love this, the very first thing she says is, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, before she says anything else, she reminds herself who she is and whose she is. I belong to the king of kings. He is my lord, and I'm called to serve him. And even though I don't understand and I can't figure it all out, and it will certainly cost me, and it's probably going to be harder than I can even ever imagine, I belong to him. And because I belong to him, I can trust him with the outcome, and I will be obedient. Then she says one of the greatest faith-filled statements in all of the Bible. She says, May it be to me as you have said. In other words, may everything you have said about me come true. In other words, I have no fear whatsoever about your plans because I am the Lord's servant. I know my God. I know his plans are good. He is just. He is loving. If he interrupts me with something that's inconvenient for me, then I want to surrender myself to what he wants. Because his ways are higher than my ways, his purposes are higher than my plans, his thoughts are greater than I could ever imagine. Therefore, I remember who I am. I am a servant of the Most High God. Therefore, may it be done unto me according to your word. May everything you've said about me come true. Because ultimately, outcome is yours, God, and obedience is mine. As we prepare for communion this morning, I'm going to ask very simply a couple of questions. The first one I want you to think about for a moment, and that's will you commit to praying and obeying? I don't know what this process will look like for you, but in your house group or in your family, with your close friends, I'm going to challenge you to say, God, what are you leading me to do or to believe? And then as you believe you get direction from God, I'm going to challenge you to take the next step. Whatever it is, take the next step. Trust him with the outcome. You simply obey, pray, and obey. Now, I'm going to do something we don't usually do around here because Ross doesn't like to do it, but. (laughs) Uh, He's not here today. He's not, okay? So if you're willing to commit to praying and obeying, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's going to put you guys on the spot, okay? And I am blessed to belong to a church full of people who really want to know his will and follow it. I'm going to pray for you. You can put your hands down, but I'm praying for you who put your hands up, okay? God, I don't want my will. My plans and my dreams, I want yours. And just like Mary, God, help us to remember who we are. Surrender to you as true servants, not serving our own desires, our own plans, our own goals, but God wanting to do what you created us to do, to accomplish and to bring glory to your name. God, I pray that there would be rich conversations in families, amongst friends and in house groups this week, that we would talk very openly about what you're guiding us to do. God, if there's nothing, if it feels silent, I pray that we would press into you until we hear from you. And God, give us the courage to take the step of faith, even when we don't know exactly what you're going to do. God, we thank you that we can trust you with the outcome. We desire to be obedient to what you are calling us to do. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, there are some of you actually probably quite a few that, if you're really honest, you'd have to admit you cannot say with integrity that you are the Lord's servant. You can't say it, you wouldn't say it, it wouldn't be true. He's not first in your life. And you know when we talk about the virgin birth, sometimes people say, Why does the virgin birth matters? It matters more than I can possibly describe. The fact that Mary was a virgin means that she did not conceive based on an earthly father with a sin nature, but by a heavenly father with a divine nature. That's why Jesus was born without sin. That's why he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. That's why he was raised from the dead and people all over the New Testament were willing to give their lives for him because he was dead and rose again. So that anyone who calls on his name would be saved and forgiven. And there are those of you today who recognize that you need to surrender to him. But you may think, I need to clean up my life first. I need to get better. I need to stop doing bad things. Let me just tell you right now, no. You need to come to him exactly as you are. You come to him exactly as you are, and when you turn from your sin and turn towards him, he'll forget every sin you've ever committed, and he will make you brand new. So my second question today is, are you ready to surrender? If you are, I invite you to pray these words quietly as I speak them aloud. Lord, please be gentle. Surrender is hard and sometimes it hurts. Anytime I let go of something I've held dear for a long time, there's some pain involved. So I'm asking you to be gentle with me. I know that I'm not serving you and that I'm serving myself, but today I'm turning away from my sins. Today I want to surrender my life, all of it, to you. I want to know you and I want to serve you. I want to be your servant. Today by faith I am asking you to help me stop trying to be the main character in my story and release that position to you. If that's your prayer today, will you let someone know, either the person who invited you or head on back to the Next Steps kiosk? We have a book for you that will help you as you begin your journey of following Jesus. Okay, as we close our service today, we're going to participate in communion together. We have two stations in the front. There's also a gluten-free option at the Next Steps kiosk in the back. It is my prayer that today's message has helped to prepare you to meet Christ in a fresh and real way, through communion. I encourage you to continue to think about those final two questions I have posed as we reflect together on the ultimate example of obedience modeled to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So when you are ready, we invite you to come forward and take the bread and dip it into the cup. It's a symbolic reminder of the broken body and spilled blood of Jesus and what he accomplished on our behalf. May this symbolic act also be a reminder that we are a part of what Christ is doing right now Guys, you saw it this week through Be Rich. You are a part of what he is doing right now, today, every moment, everywhere on earth. That's why obedience matters.